Sunny 16 presents. Hello everyone, this is Billy Sanford with another installment of my music and photography series for Sunny 16 presents On Location. I wanted to thank Claire Marie Bailey again for chatting with me on the previous installment where we talked a lot about inspiration. Inspiration can be one of those things that are that's difficult to articulate, or it always has been for me. So I really enjoyed chatting with Claire about it during this exploration of the crossroads between music and photography. I definitely encourage you to have a listen if you haven't already. There were a couple of things in particular that stood out to me that Claire mentioned first this idea that those things that we are surrounding ourselves with in this case music will inevitably show up in the work we create Uh, the second was the idea that many creative people might choose multiple ways to express that creativity I promise I will not tie all of these conversations around the 35 MMC article I've written Uh, But this idea of why do we create and why do we choose the mediums that we do um, choose to create, you know, as opposed to just going to a movie or something like that. Um, That happened to be a topic that I contemplated in an article um, that I'll include a link to in in the show notes here. But getting back to this episode at hand, someone I know in the community who is creative, who uses multiple mediums to express that creativity and integrates those influences that she's surrounded by is Hillary Clark. A lot of us in the community enjoy doing project work. Sometimes this means creating a zine. Other times it might mean participating in one of the community events around a particular theme or using a particular camera or film. It might even mean turning one of your father's old saucepans into a pinhole camera. I don't personally believe that a project has to be a formal thing. It may not be a thing that we have to share with the world. It may just be a small thing that we do for ourselves to bring a sort of order or meaning to the work we are creating. At any rate, I've always appreciated Hillary's approach to projects and those sorts of things she's worked on and wanted to chat with her about that. She had created a project during lockdown that spoke directly to the subject of music and photography. And it also so happens that Hillary grew up in a household where her parents enjoyed music and photography. So we discussed all of those things. The curiosity that drives her to want to learn new things. Her approach to learning new things through doing. Her project work parents influence and even though I had not mentioned the article about why we create instead of just sitting around watching television she and I stumbled across that idea just in the course of our conversation I'm plugging the article again here now because it has images of both my son and my mother quilting which also came up in the conversation I really hope you will check out some of Hillary's work and that some of the things that we discussed will be helpful and in Intriguing. Let's have a listen. 
I'm speaking now with Hillary Clark, who longtime listeners of the Sunny 16 podcast may know from her appearances on Underexposed with Rachel Brewster Wright or some of her listener contributions over the years or from the wider analog community. She's an active participant in Polaroid Week and, and did some of the early testing for the Red Eye Red Scale film. So, Hillary, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with me. How are you doing? Hi, thank, thank you, Billy. It's an absolute pleasure. Yes, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Yes. Good. Good. I'm so excited you were able to join me. So, Hillary, you and I had the opportunity to get a little bit acquainted through uh, the virtual film development parties that Rachel hosts through her right. Analog Academy. Yes. And, yes, and that's then, a lot of fun. Yeah, I like those. Yeah. Yeah, that is, a, that is great fun. And was so happy a few months back when I was your match for the postcards from afar (laughs) uh, print exchange. That was exciting to see. And just a little fun fact, I got back into analog photography at the start of the pandemic and not long after that started listening to Sunny 16. Mm -hmm. And soon after the start of lockdown, they did one of their cheap shots challenges and since everyone was locked down, they did it around the theme of groceries. And you did this tea-themed cyanotype where you yes. deconstructed the box <laughs> and you yeah. coated the inside of the box as your cyanotype and you used the sifter and teaspoon and mm-hmm. and some of the tea bags and leaves. Yeah. and yeah, tea leaves. Yeah. And then I, I even, I, well, once I'd rinsed it, I even um, tried to tone it in tea afterwards. I toned it in green tea. Exactly. Um, but it, it turned it a little bit pinky, and didn't it? was a bit of a strange color. But, <laughs> but yeah. then you reassembled the box, and it looked. Reassembled it, yes, yes. It looked like a natural advertising or or design for the for the yes. product. Yeah, I was quite pleased with that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that thoughtfulness and creativity in your work is something I've really enjoyed over time since we've been connected. And I mention it not just as a fun fact, but I I do want to talk about some of those things a little bit later. But when I reached out initially, I mentioned music and photography. And so it seemed like there was a a logical place to start the conversation was another lockdown project you did, which was around your family piano, a piano that has special meaning to you. And then you wrote the little story around it as well. So can you talk us through a little bit of that? Yes, certainly. It started out, I booked this course a little bit before lockdown, or just as lockdown was started. It it was run by a man called Rob Knight, um, David Noble. Um, Rob Knight runs a a photographic company and he does a lot of workshops. And he normally does them face-to-face, but of course in in lockdown, that's not possible. So Mm -hmm. he did this online, a, a couple of online ones, and this was just called The Project. And it was a four-week series of meetings with him and the other participants on the course. There were about six, seven of us all together. And we got together and talked about what a project was. Um, it went quite into it went into a lot of detail about other people's projects and what, what we should aim for and the size of it. And it was all about getting the images you want and editing, choosing which ones you want to go in and discussing what, exactly what you want to do your project on. And people did them on all sorts of different things. And I, I started out, so some people were very, very determined that they got an, an idea in the head and that was what they wanted to do. And I 
came at it without, I really don't know. I'm going to explore. I think in, in the past, I've I put things off because I don't think my idea is fully formed enough. But one thing that this project workshop ta taught me was that if you just dive in and do something, then it, you've got something to work on. You can, you can edit and you can move on and you can change and you can change your mind. You can forget that and move on to something else. But at least you're, you're working. Right. So my original idea was to do something really a little bit. I, I, I love Claire, Claire, Bailey's, Claire Bailey's work, obviously. And I, I thought I could do some kind of surreal self-portraits of me about the house. And I, I did a few that I did. I did me in the shower with disco lights. And mm -hmm. it, it just it just didn't mean anything. It was just me being silly, really. And, and but one of the things was that I did do was I, I looked at the piano, which I, I can I can see right now. If I look to my left, the, the piano is there. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's at the moment it's a piece of furniture and it has been for a number of years. It was my mum's piano. She loved playing the piano. Uh, she was a reception school teacher. She taught first year, so she taught four and five year olds. And at the time, the school it, it wasn't a huge school, and they they had a, a dedicated music teacher, but she was in the junior department. But mum played the piano for the morning hymns, the morning assembly. Okay, and. Eventually, the music teacher said, you're, you're very good at this. Could you help out with the recorder group? And mum said, well, I don't play the recorder. And they said, well, that really doesn't matter. Just <laughs> teach it. It's fine. Right. So she did that. And then she helped out with the orchestra as well. Mm -hmm. She always enjoyed the music. She, she had a lovely voice. She, we both sang in the church choir at one time. But the piano meant a lot to her. And when... Uh, I think it got pushed out of the house actually. When when, when I got married, I, I got we bought quite a large house and there was plenty of room. And my dad's other interests, apart from photography, were computers and it put up a lot of space. And so we moved the piano to my house. It sat in the dining room for for a long, long time, and it got played. When when mum came to visit, she would sit down and play a tune, and that was she enjoyed that. But when I when I've I've since downsized, come to a smaller house, and it, it sits in my office, come study, come library, come workshop, come everything else, and it's it's literally a piece of furniture. I've I, since I've done this project, I have cleared this a little bit, so it isn't just a, a sideboard anymore. But I thought, well, I, I she she loved it so much, and I've kept it, so it means a lot to me. I should do something. I should, and I, I, my thinking was. I should see it from another perspective. So I, I, li I literally thought, right, I'm going to climb on top of it and sit on it, <laughs> and I will see it from another perspective. So then I realised I could take a picture of my feet just dangling down onto the keyboards, and I, I did quite a lot of those. So that that taught me quite a lot with my camera because much as I like film photography, the structure of this workshop meant you had to take the photographs the beginning of the week and then on the, every Sunday afternoon for four weeks you would discuss your photographs and put them online so I knew I wasn't that organized to take film <laughs> and get them ready for a week I don't I, I develop black and white but I don't develop color mm -hmm. uh, and I definitely wanted to take some color photographs so it had to be filmed so I have um, a Canon power shot is it called a Canon I'm sure shot power shot I always get confused it's a Canon PowerShot G7X okay. Mark II, okay. which is very I have, I have, have that camera. Oh, excellent. It's really good, isn't it? It and, is. It's been a good tool for a project like this, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have to concentrate too much on 
exposure and lighting and, and the, the, the light in my house isn't great, but it's it, the piano is just by a window and I did turn all the lights on and, and I did manage to get it fairly well lit. I found that I could use my phone. I didn't realize I could use my phone as a as an app to actually take the photographs. So mm -hmm. that was a revelation to me because I, so I could set it all up, climb on top of the piano. I was desperate that I didn't fall off because I thought, oh, <laughs> weeks. But and I, yeah, I, I really liked that photograph. So I thought, well, let's do a few more about around the piano and see what happens. And the people on the course seemed to go, yeah, that's yeah, we like that idea. You know, explore that a little bit more. Absolutely. So that's what I did. Um, well, it is a fun project. And did your mother taught you how to play as well when you were younger? No, not no. I didn't have less. I had actual lessons from a from a teacher. I think okay. she said that she probably wasn't the best person. To <laughs> I think she might have got too frustrated with me. <laughs> and she taught enough enough people at school. You no, know, you can you can go and have lessons. So. I had lessons when I from about I don't know maybe about seven to about eleven or twelve, and then I kind of stopped. Once once I'd mastered the piece, I really enjoyed it, but I, I hated practicing. Like, like every child, right. I got very good at sight reading because I never practiced, which <laughs> 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 sight read quite well. And then when I got to fourteen, at that stage in my schooling, you, you had to choose your O levels, as they were called then. And I chose to do music. Um, and by that point, I'd, I'd started to play the violin as well. And I was a bit better on the violin than I was on the piano. So I thought I'll do, you had to choose, choose an instrument to play for your, your own level. So I chose the violin. But the music theory part of the, the course made it rather handy if I did if I was a bit better on the piano. So I went back and had lessons with, with another, another teacher. And I enjoyed those. A lot better. Um, right. I I think I was I was big in my hands. My, my, the the one thing that has stopped me from I I think apart from lack of practice, um, <laughs> I've got quite small hands, so it's quite difficult to reach an octave and the right. reach the the notes in between is is again quite a stretch for me. So I was by the time I was fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, I was I was grown a little bit and it became a little bit easier. So I did enjoy right. it more. Um, and then I, I think you mentioned towards the end of the project, as it was in lockdown, that you had joined an online choir. And so you were able to use the piano to learn yeah, your parts a little bit. I, I, I did. Yeah, I joined. It was called the an academy. It was linked to the the, the, the big orchestra in Manchester and it was all online. And it, I've I've since stopped doing it. it. It was very good, but they were very technical and and. Um, I, I just wanted to go and have a good sing, really. Right. <laughs> and it was a bit, it was a bit stop-start, and you didn't feel like you were in a. I think the main thing about singing in a choir is that you've got you feel everybody around you and your voices right. are joining together, and that didn't happen. But I have okay. since since lockdown has more or less ended. Um, I've joined a real choir. Okay. So I'm going once a week to a ladies' choir nearby. So that's that's lovely. That is nice. And and so even though, you know, when I originally reached out to you, uh, you mentioned music doesn't play a particularly large part of your photographic influences, but music is still part of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I, I do listen to, to music. I, I'm not as 
passionate about music as I know a lot of people are. I, my my passions would lie more towards literature and books and right. song lyrics, perhaps, um, okay. and poetry. That so I'll, I'll use influences from books and words I found that mean a lot. I'll, I'll, I think I quite often choose titles. I hate choosing titles for photographs, but I <laughs> choose a book quote that I like or a poem that I like or um, a lyric, a song lyric that I like, but not it's not so much the actual music. Right. Although, you know, that's something to explore. Maybe I should. Maybe I should play some <laughs> music and see, see if I can link the two. That's right. So you sort of touched on this just a, a minute ago, but you had this your mother and her piano playing was in your home as you were growing up. And mm. your father also had a hobby and he was keen on photography and the technology you mentioned, but, but to tie these, this music and photography theme together. So he was real keen on that and yes. kind of share some of your recollections about, you know, it wasn't just that he took, holiday snaps or whatever he had a dark room and he was into some of the processes that that people are still enjoying today yes he, he got into photography at a very young age he was about 17 um and he he, he had a, a quarter plate field camera okay which i still have um it doesn't have a shutter on it but i have got photographs out of it uh, with the help of Dave shrimpton um, okay. using a, a hat as a shutter and various <laughs> calculations to to get it working. He, he actually wanted to be a professional photographer, but his parents said no, which was a shame. But he he was he joined the army. Um, he was born in 1920, so he joined the army in about 1938, 1939. So he was quite young. He was a camera, I don't know, a field photographer. Um, so I have some of his photographs that he took during the war, but some were just sent off to Central Command, whatever it was called. I don't know. Um, so I don't, I don't really know much about those. But when, when I was growing up, he had he had a dark room which was in the attic. It, it was a quite, it wasn't a huge house. My mum couldn't get up in the attic. It was, it was a loft ladder. So I think he used that um, to keep it quite private. Okay. <laughs> Lose himself in his dark room. But to make it light tight, he put up a tent. Okay. And it wasn't a it wasn't a dark room tent. It wasn't it was a, a family, it was one of our old camping tents from a family holiday. And he glued it together with gaffer tape and it made it light tight up there. So that was where he, he that was his happy place, I think. But there was no running water up there. So I do remember him carrying um, bottles and bottles of water and trays and things and tanks up there. Um, right. he, did, he did show me once or twice, but um, I just thought it was such a weird thing to do. <laughs> but right. I, I just dismissed it as one of his slightly more eccentric eccentricities and just um, left him to it. Right. I understand that. My, I have, I have one son and he is 18 mm. and he gets, you know, I think he gets the, that I like photography in general. I, I mean, he maybe doesn't fully understand it, but he gets it that that's a, a thing that people do, but he, he really doesn't understand the, the film part. No, no, no. <laughs> my, my children are the same, my grown-up kids. They, they think it's very strange that I want to meet up with strangers and go for a walk with them and take some <laughs> photographs. I think that's very odd. My youngest son has actually got um, a Polaroid. He bought a Polaroid Now, one of the new cameras. Okay. So, um, 
that was nice. I was able to buy him some Polaroid film for Christmas, which is uh, which is great. But he's 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 taking some photographs with that, so that's that's nice to see. Okay. And your grandkids? Did they show any kind of interest no, in any no, of it? No, they're a bit young yet. They're only six and four, so okay. Um, they they like posing. They're very good at posing for photographs. <laughs> um, they're, they're quite used to me taking lots of pictures of them. Well, that is great. Sort of along those lines then, I mean, your mother's hobby was, was music and the piano and your father's hobby was photography and you mm -hmm. sort of grew up, you know, with parents who had these creative outlets. And yeah, I was just curious whether that, you know, do your own curiosity about these processes and techniques, do you think there's some of their influence on you or, or did you come, come by it completely naturally, you think? I, th I think they've had a great influence on me. My, my dad's interests were photography and boating. He always loved boat. And my mum was music, but she was also very creative in sewing. Um, okay. So she, she made a lot of clothes and curtains and just general things about the house. She went to she she had she went to night classes, so maybe that's it. She took me along a couple of times, and then just I think it, she couldn't get a babysitter probably. And my dad was out, so I was dragged along. But I quite enjoyed watching this class of people all learning to sew. Right. So I think my my love of learning by doing is is, is started there. That's right. So yeah. I think that's that's probably a good point because you saw them not only pursue the things that they were interested in, but I guess they probably encouraged you as well. Yes. Yeah, definitely. They'd, um, I th it was probably facilitated. I'm, I'm, I'm an only child, so I did have quite a lot of parental attention focused right. on it, um, uh, which can be a bit scary at times. It's a big responsibility. But, um, yeah, they always, I was always encouraged just to try to try something. No harm in trying something. If it doesn't work, you can you can stop and do something else. That's right. That's, that's right. And it kind of leads me to when I was originally thinking about music and photography, the, the, the just original spark of the idea was this, this thought that a lot of people, you know, I think this is something that Graham has mentioned on Sunny 16 before, that there's a lot of people who play music who also take photographs, you know, so they have these multiple creative outlets. Yeah. And, I think, and I, think, I think if you get passionate about, about one genre of music and you play that a lot. So if you, if you got really got into something in your youth and you lo really still love it and that's in your head all the time, I think that will probably influence you. I agree. In, in a lot of things. Whereas I didn't really get into that into listening to music that much. I was when I when I played the violin, I was in the the local youth orchestra, mm -hmm. and they entered a lot of competitions and, and they became quite good actually. Um, we ended up going to London and playing in the Royal Festival Hall and all sorts of things. But at one point, I was playing. A Friday night was concert orchestra. Saturday morning was string orchestra, and Sunday morning was a theatre orchestra. Mm -hmm. So with musicals and things. So okay. a lot of my musical influences when I was growing up were classical music or theatre music and not so much the pop music or the, the rock or right. heavy metal that everybody got into. I was, I was right. on a slightly different path. But you have, as your 
maybe analog journey is what we could call it, <laughs> as it has evolved, you, you have found a lot of different ways to express that creativity that you are or, or, or a way to kind of build a project around an idea or something you may have like the cyanotypes we talked about earlier. You enjoy the instant photography. You may use black and white for some set of images or color for another, like you mentioned with the piano project and your pinhole work. And I think you've even mentioned some wet plate before. Have you done a little bit of that? I did one wet plate um, workshop with John Brewer in Manchester. And that I really enjoyed that. But I don't remember how to do it. That's the problem. It was amazing. But um, and I, I have a little book that he, he printed out. Um, and I keep I keep seeing I occasionally go and see Abe Trimpton for, for the weekend and he comes up to see me. And I'm determined to do a wet plate workshop with him. But on the last time I went down to do wet plate, we got um, distracted because I'd taken a very old saucepan, basically, of my dad's. I don't know if you saw that image on... I uh, did, I did. It was a 24-litre gallon, I don't know. It was a really big stock pot. Right, I think and that's it, what you said, uh, 24. Yeah, yeah, it was 24-something. Um, <laughs> and I, I said to Dave, if, I'm sure if we had drilled a hole in it, or if you drilled a hole in it, <laughs> we could get some images out of it, make it light tight. So we spent the whole day doing that rather than doing the wet plate. That was... <laughs> That was quite fascinating. Um, so we got, we got distracted by, whoops, look, something shiny and you don't do it. <laughs> um, so, so you have found all of these different processes and techniques, like we said, that you, that you enjoy using. And you, and you also mentioned the sewing with your, with your mom and you have your yeah. Etsy shop that you uh, yeah. sell some knitted goods and textiles and, and do some sewing still yeah. yourself, right? Yeah, I like to keep busy in an evening I can't just sit and watch tv or well sometimes I can but generally (laughs) I can't I I get I get too distracted so if I'm sitting doing some crochet or some sewing then it it keeps me keeps me sane I think there's a lot of crochet is very it's a very mindful activity it's quite you quite get into the flow of it and it's very rhythmical and regular and it's still fairly creative but you don't have to think too hard about it so you can just forget things and that's um, right and well one thing about that that kind of jumped out at me is that that you invest time and work into creating something and then at the end of it you have this tangible product Mm. so that seems sort of similar to some of our uh, the analog photography techniques Yes. that we uh, experiment with from time to time. Yes, yes, I think so. So I was asked the other day, did I like doing jigsaws? And I was like, well, <laughs> yes, but it's not a big thing because you you spend all that time doing it and then you have to put it back in the box. What you <laughs> it's just gone. You've nothing left. So uh, I can see the, the, the pleasure of slowly building something up, but I want I want to keep it. I don't want to I don't want to throw it away again. Um, but I did get back into sewing again in lockdown. I've always, I always thought I wasn't very good at sewing. I've always said, no, I can knit and I can crochet, but I can't sew because every time I used the sewing machine, the, the tension was all all to pop and it would tangle underneath. Um, so I thought I'm going to 
I'm going to change this round. I'm going to learn how to do it. So bought a fairly inexpensive machine and made some face masks to start with because that's what everybody was doing. Um, right. So we made them for all the family and friends. And then I thought, right, I can do a bit more. And I've got some friends who do a lot of quilting. Now, I know I think I've talked to you quilt, about quilting before because I think, in fact, you've ever, you've got a family member who quilted, I believe. That's right. My mother, my mother yeah. makes quilts. Um, yeah. So I thought, well, I'll have a go. Um, and I made a few, and I really enjoyed it. And strangely enough, my my family have said, "Oh, would you make would you make me one?" And that, that's something they've never said about photography, really. I mean, I, I think they have they have sometimes said, "Oh, I really like that. Can I have a picture of it?" That's but they've never actually loved something so much that they go, "Oh, I want to snuggle under that every night. I want to see <laughs> right. that." So I've ended up making quite a few quilts, um, and then I've got some more commissions to do as well so um the crochet is, is stopped for the minute because i've got quite a lot of quilts to make <laughs> which is rather nice um well that's fantastic and the, a, a good quilt is is a is a really nice heirloom as well mm. i know that you know they they serve the practical purpose of course they keep you warm but yes. um yeah, i know that having quilts you know that that certainly that my mother made, but also my grandmother and mm. and other family members, you know, who handed it down to her. Those are very valuable objects. Yes. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I would like to try some cyanotypes onto fabric. I've, I've done a little bit and I made mm -hmm. a very small, excuse me. I, I made a very small quilt that I just, it was just like six, six of, nine pieces just sewed these small cyanotypes together but i've seen some online on instagram that are just amazing so i would like to do something bigger do more cyanotype onto fabric and then sew it cut it up and then sew it all together again that, see would, be, that would be great I, I will look forward to seeing that because i have no doubt you can pull it off <laughs> it might be a while <laughs> <laughs> so that sort of leads me to the last thing I thought I'd ask you about, cause you do, you know, like we've talked about, um, you know, in my experience, you do put a lot of thought into a project when you're working on it and, and tying these different elements together. And also, you know, you, you take workshops as a student, but you've also taught one recently on cyanotypes and just wondered if, cause this is a thing I, you know, I, I feel like some people struggle with sometimes, oh, I want to do a project, but I don't know how to get started or I don't know what to, mm. you know, make the subject on or I'm interested in learning something new, but I'm scared it may not work out or whatever. So just as somebody who, you know, likes to learn new things and um, and and work on projects to did you have any tips of encouragement or things for people to think about? I, I, I find it when I'm, when I'm doing photography, I, any sort of photography, analog and sanitypes and alternative processes, I quite often get really stuck and then I don't know how to carry on. And if I go on a workshop to learn the basics, I generally the people who run the workshops like Rachel and Dave and Rob, they're very, very good about saying, if you've got any problems, just give me a shout. Mm -hmm. 
which I do all the time because I get so stuck and I don't know I don't know where to go next. And I, there's so many elements that you have to take into account. Something has gone wrong somewhere, perhaps, but I can't identify where it is. So I like the personal contact that I can say, um, you were really helpful when I did this workshop. Could you just, I've tried it again and it's not worked. Could you just have a look and tell me what, what I've done? Um, so I'd be quite happy for somebody who did a cyanotype workshop to come back to me and say, look, it's not working for me. What, what, and we'll try and figure it out together. I, I may not, I may not be, I've, I've, I've done these to stand in for Rachel who is currently on maternity leave and, and can't work. So I know she is always super helpful. Um, and I've, I've tried to be as helpful as she, she has been. Um, and I'm doing another cyanotype workshop in March for her, but then I'll be, I'll be back to plugging her workshops again. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's a lot easier to, to ask questions. I've, I've found during lockdown, photography for me is quite a sociable hobby and I don't like it when I can't meet up with people and talk talk things through um which is why I've done I've done a little less photography and a little more sewing and things like that um but I'm hoping now in the new year to get back to a lot more photography um and meeting people again (laughs) these people that's right it is it is a thing that um you know, because we have still been able to do some photography during all of these world events, but that that people part really has been impactful. I think mm. missing yeah. out on that. Well, if you if you're with somebody else, I mean, even if you go to a familiar place with a friend, you explaining things to the friend, and you see it through their eyes, so you might see things slightly differently. I mean, my my general my usual lockdown walk, I've photographed <laughs> so many times. <laughs> bored with it um, right but yeah it, it'll be nice to go somewhere different and to meet meet people and share Definitely. things again well hillary it's been so fun catching up with you and, and again i'm really so appreciative that you were willing to take uh some time to talk with me i thank you so much for asking it, it's been it's been a pleasure Absolutely. that's right and so w- where can people find you or where would you like them to go to instagram or Flickr or all of these places um, I, I i post more on instagram um and it's just h clark which is a i t c h and clark with an e as i can see and we say c l a r k e i do have a website that is just h dot hclark.com i think okay. um it's not updated as much as i'd like but i've put anything anything major i tried to put up there so the my piano project is there and some of my dad's photographs um okay. well i will be sure to include those in the notes that i send over to graham as well the uh, the links are on um my instagram bio anyway so if somebody finds me on instagram um, you can search hillary clark or h clark and it will pop up there Well, thank you so much again, Hilary. You're welcome. Thank you. Lovely to talk to you. I want to thank Hilary again for joining me to talk through some of her experiences and insights. Please do check out her work. Again, I really just enjoy her curiosity about things and that she lets that curiosity motivate her to explore new outlets for her creativity. And of course, as she mentioned, if you want to have a go at something, just try it. 
it doesn't work out, try something else. And don't be hesitant to reach out and ask questions if you get stuck. I think that is truly one of the great things about this community, the willingness to share our experiences and help one another along on our journeys. And this idea of music and photography and handing these things down from one generation to the next is a thing I definitely want to explore a little further. Thanks again to Mike Gutterman for the nice background music you are hearing. He makes it available to podcasters and YouTubers and all sorts of content creators via his Bandcamp page at mikegutterman.bandcamp.com. And also, of course, thanks to the Sunny 16 team as well. Uh, Have I mentioned recently that I enjoy posting the occasional article to 35MMC? Well, think of the Sunny 16 Presents channel as an audio version of that. And do get in touch with them if there is something you'd like to share with the community. I hope you've enjoyed these short little chats on music and photography. And I hope that all of you are doing well and taking care. And I'll be back again soon with another installment.